this morning we're going to start out a new series and we're going to be talking about changed by the gospel. And if anybody in here has been changed, because I believe this, when you meet Jesus, there's change that takes place on the inside, then all of a sudden people all around you on the outside begin to see the change that God has done in your heart. Amen? And so let's just go right to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, chapter 3, and I'm going to begin to, to read, and, and it's our theme verse for this series, and it says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed. You need to underline that. Changed, that means transformed into his glorious image. And so what he's saying is that we are a reflection of him. It's like the Bible, another verse says we're like a mirror. It's like a reflection of a mirror. Because what happens is when you look at it, it's like this. What happens is when God begins to change you on the inside, he begins to do things in you, and you become more like his son Jesus. Amen? And let's ask a question. Let me ask a question. How many of you were, had problems with lying before you became a Christian? Okay, not, y'all don't want to lie. You don't want to lie right now, do you? Okay, how many of you had problems with maybe having a tongue that kind of exaggerated a little bit? How about some of you, maybe you were just flat out mean. How many of you, you're not going to raise your hand no matter what I say? Okay, you didn't even raise your hand for that. Okay. But see, here it is. I, over, the, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to come away with a greater understanding that, w- that we are supposed to be changed. And change, and to continue to change, and that Christ makes us more and more like him. And what does that mean, Pastor Bubba? We're going to take a look at the gospel and how it impacts you as an individual, how it impacts not only you, but your marriage. I believe, I believe when you become a Christian, it impacts you as a person. It impacts you as a, in your marriage. It impacts you in your, in your family, in your church, in your work, people at work. What, what happened to you? Are you drinking before you come to work? You look too happy. You know, I mean, or, or, or maybe in your finances and also in your community. See, we're, we're, we're changed not by a program. You know, it's not like I can, I can go, you know, we're going to go through this problem. You're not changed by a program. You're not changed, uh, you know, by, by practice or a procedure. We're changed by a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. He changes us from the inside out. He's doing the inside job on every one of us. Say, say it when we say inside job. I remember talking to a young guy one time. He goes, man, I ain't got church clothes. I said, man, they don't worry about church clothes. Come in your jeans. Come, like, come in your shorts. Come, whatever. He goes, man, I just don't have the right church clothes. It's not about what you look like on the outside, but it's what God does on the inside of you. And see, you got to learn. We, we learn to be more like him, you know, through the word. We learn, become more like him, maybe in worship. When we begin to worship, it begins to open up our hearts. You ever notice that when you come to worship, all of a sudden God reminds you of things that maybe you struggle with during the week or something you want to get rid of or something you need to change in your life? How many of you are talking about? And, 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 then, and then you begin to hear the word and the message and you walk out and you go, man, I need to do something about that. I talked to a guy yesterday. He said, man, when Pastor Josh preached a message on humility a couple weeks ago, he said, man, that was an incredible message. I went back to the my, my, my wife and tried to, and I, I began to apply that because they're not, they're not together. And he just said, you know, Pastor Bob, I went there and I did what I know, I did what God was speaking to me to do. 
And he said, it didn't matter what the results were. I knew God was telling me to be obedient to what his spirit was telling me to do. You see, this morning, I believe this. What is the gospel? That's the question. What is the gospel? And how many of you would like to know the answer? What is the gospel? Some of you know what it is already. Well, this is, look, we're going to be real easy this morning, okay? This is going to be elementary. The word gospel simply means good news. Good news. I remember when I went to Cathedral Carmel, we used to have these Bibles in religion class, and it says good news for modern man. But really, when you begin to hear the gospel, it's really like bad news for modern man, for some people. You begin to go, wait a minute, my life just doesn't stack up. See, it doesn't matter how big your Bible. I brought my little switchblade out this morning. Some of you have swords. I brought my switchblade. But it's not, it's, it's not how big your Bible is. I used to have a Dakes Bible. When I first got saved, you ever see what a Dakes Bible is? My grandmother, it's a study Bible. I'm telling you, it's, it's like this big and this wide. When I first got saved, I'd go bring my Dakes Bible and throw it on people's coffee tables. We're going to talk about God. Bam! I mean, break the coffee table. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's not how big it is. It's, what, it's really how impacting has the Word of God been in, in us. That we, the Bible says, Paul says, we're living epistles. The gospel should be alive. The words of Jesus should be alive in us, constantly changing us, challenging us, coming against. It's crossing my will by the will of God. Sometimes I want to do things. You ever have that? And you get that struggle, man. I want to go this way. I want to do this thing. But all of a sudden, it's my will being, being crossed by God's will. And God goes, that's not the way to do it. Anybody have that? And see, the gospel brings change. See, the gospel is the central message of the Bible about the person and the work and what it's all about, Jesus Christ. It's about what he does. Above, above all the gospel of Christ brings, it's the good news. Rather than instruction, it, bring, it talks about not just instruction, but it talks about your behavior. Let me ask you, how many of you have been behaving this week? Okay, don't raise your hand. How many of you have been trying to behave this week? How many of you go, Pastor, it hadn't worked too good, my behavior? You know, and it's like, and sometimes it's like our behavior. You don't know what you're going to be until you go get tested a little bit. My dad used to have a dog, and he was a lab. And I don't know why he named it that, but I found out why he did. He named him Demon. And one day, my dad shoots a duck, and I'm with him one day, and I think I'm, Todd might have been there, and I remember he, and, and he, and he knocks down a, dirt, a, bar, a, a duck, and he goes, fetch him up, demon. So he went to bring him back, and he went to get the duck from demon, okay, and he responded like a demon. My dad went to get it, and the, the dog went, and my dad, like, grabbed that dog, and he threw a shotgun shell, and he goes, fetch it up, and poof, shot him in the back, cast the devil out of demon. Now, he didn't die, but it scared him. It got him far enough. But I, I just remember that. I'm like, dang. But sometimes you go, what? Sometimes I, no one's going to shoot you around here. Is that all right? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to fetch and get away. Some of you might need that. But anyway. But what happens is sometimes with us, is like God gives us assignment. And here's his assignment. It's called obedience. It's not, he's not gonna, the Bible says this. He says he's not going to give you more than you can handle. And sometimes when God simply just speaks to you to go do something, it's whether or not you do what God tells you to do. Hello? It's like your children. If you just go and do, you know, okay, can you go take the trash can out? Have you ever had your children manifest to go take the trash can out? 
you know? I mean, it's funny because I'm teaching Luke how to mow the grass. And, you know, he's, he's living in the blessings of Jesus because we got self-propelled. Because when my other children had it, brother, it was, it was Walmart blue light special. You know what I mean? It wasn't first crank every time. It was like maybe the 10th crank, you know? And, 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 and as he's out there, and he, this past week, you know, I got, I got him mowing, and he's just laying, literally, he hadn't even finished, and he's laying on the ground like this. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, boy, get your booty up, boy. I said, you hadn't finished the side. He goes, oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> and sometimes that's how we are. Oh, God. <laughs> Who you want me to talk to? Oh. Who you want me to share with? Oh, no, not them. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. See, I believe this. If you just simply obey and you give the results to God, he may blow your mind what he does. Because it's not about you anyway. It's about him using you as a vessel to reach someone else that needs him. And so, in short, the gospel is a life-altering news that, that Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, listen to me, became man. He lived a sinless life under the law, the Ten Commandments. He died for our sins and rose again to reconcile us to himself. Then we know this, that he went to heaven and became eternally victorious over every enemy that stood between God and man. That's the gospel. That's just a some See, the, the, the great reformer Martin Luther rightly said this. As sinners, we are prone to pursue a relationship with God one or two ways. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. One or two ways we're going to pursue God. Number one, is the first is religion or spirituality. And the second is the gospel. What does that mean, Pastor? The two are opposites in every way. What do you mean? So let's look. What does it, see, Paul says the gospel is the most important thing. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. This is great. And he says this, I passed on to you that, uh, what was the most important and what has been passed on to me. Look what he says. There's, it's a twofold definition of the gospel. This, it was prophesied. What, what he says right here was prophesied in the Old Testament. He said, Christ died for our sins. Just as Scripture says, he was buried and he raised from the dead on the third day, as the Scriptures said. And see, what does that mean, Pastor Bubba? Listen, what he's saying is it's the power of the gospel to change you. In other words, remember when Jonah was swallowed in the belly of the well? How long, did it, how long was he there? Three days. He thought he was dead. He thought, oh, man, I'm done. I'm finished. He had a little repenting service in the belly of a fish. I started thinking about that this morning. You know, we don't know what kind of fish people say is whales and all that stuff, but I don't know. It could have been a big red fish in South Louisiana. <laughs> but, I mean, I started thinking about that. Have you ever just gone fishing and you put your finger in a fish's throat or you clean them? It's real pleasant, isn't it? But see, what happens is here he is. He gets swallowed by a well, and then I looked at some of the things, and there's acids that wells or fish put off to, to, 
to mess up the, uh, break down the body of whatever it caught. And what happens is, you imagine when he got thrown up out of the belly of the fish and he came to the ground. I'm sure he was white, blotched, spotted. He didn't look like, you know, he was dressed like in Bible, in, in, you know, in, in like Sunday school. He was, I mean, he went to Nineveh and he went, repent. And everybody looked at him and go, we pray. Hey! And by the way, just a side note, let me just tell you. How many of you have heard that that muzzle that was taken out over in Iraq? You heard about that? It's the second city. Do you know that that city is Nineveh? It's actually the city that Noah stood before and said, repent. Then they broke down Jonah, the memorial to Jonah's body in Nineveh. It's significant. What Pastor Joshua said, it's significant. We're seeing the Bible unfolded. If you just know, if you just read a little bit, listen, I'm thinking loud. And can I just say something? If I'm thinking loud, I might just say what I'm thinking. You see, this morning, the gospel does, see, it starts off. What does the gospel do? You know, I think about, you know, then Jesus, he was in the tomb for three days. But he rose from the grave. I think about Abraham as he goes to sacrifice his son. You remember that? He said, Dad, we got the wood. We got the fire. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? And I love what Abraham says to Isaac. The Lord will, will, the Lord will provide a, a ram. It's all, it's all culminating. All those stories are talking about life, death, sacrifice. It's a picture of what Jesus would become to his father and to us. You see, this morning, it starts, the gospel starts with justification. Where, where we, are, we are declared righteous before God. Because of Jesus, that I can be justified just as if, justified, write this down, justified, justification means just as if I never did it before. How many of you like that picture? Mama, I never stole that piece of pie that you made. I've been justified. That, you know, those lies, those things you said, those things that you would never want to tell anybody. We don't want to put it on the video of the church and show your life, do we? But it's, it's this, it's that even if we went to go show the video on your past life before Christ, it would say this, justified. It's blank. It's forgiven. You're free. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do things for it. You don't have to prove yourself. I came, Jesus came, and he says, I justified you. I washed you with my blood. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see that anymore. It says it continues with sanctification. That's where you learn and you grow by the power of the Holy Spirit to be more and more like Christ. That means God's cleaning you up. How many of you need a good scrubbing? You know, we got some little puppies at my house. We have eight little lab puppies. And this week, me and Livy, I, me and uh, Livia went to wash them, and we put them in an ice chest. Put them in soap, and they're all, some are going, some are going, you know, whatever. But there's a few of them that are little canine puppies, and I got some that are just sweet. There's one that never sleeps, never does anything, constantly walks, and I renamed it, and it's Tracy. <laughs> it's a cute little chocolate, but I mean, all the other ones are sleeping. Tracy's just kind of just, that's my wife. She's, miss, she's energetic, like the ever-ready little bunny, you know. So I named him, and, and then I found there's a little black one. He's one of my favorites, and he, I called him Bubba. 
Because when, after he eats, he goes and finds a sleep, place to sleep all by himself away from all the other puppies. <laughs> but you know the cool thing about it? Every one of them have a different personality. And whenever they face things, they all react differently. But see, God made all of us unique. We're not going to react like everybody else reacts. But here, let me just tell you, God saw that the Bible says he who begins a good work in us is able to complete that until the day of his return. What does that mean? You know what? I'm going to react different than maybe Denny will react. Andrew will react different than I react. But it's the bottom line. Is God, are we allowing God to do a work in our heart even when we go through trials, tribulations, or hardships? God is sanctifying us. What does that mean? It means everyday life God is doing something in us. Amen? Every day, God's trying to speak to us. God's trying to show us stuff. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes God brings people in your life that you don't even like, and they show up in the day you really don't need them there. And God's trying to sanctify you about your attitude, about your actions, about your motives, why you think the way you do, why you react the way you do. Am I in the right church this morning? He's sanctifying us. I used to think those words were like big church words justification. I didn't know what the heck that mean. I didn't know what sanctification means. And then the last one, the end is about the gospel. It's about glorification where one day you and I die, but we're going to stand before the Father as children of God. See, the gospel does three things for us. Let me just, number one, the gospel, if you're taking notes, it forgives us. What do you mean? Look at what Jesus says about those who are, who are shouting crucify him. What did he say? Father? Well, come on, tell me, church. You've been to Easter services? For they know what? So you're preaching to me. You see, everybody knows that statement. It's a historical fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Historians documented it. He said this. Here's, remember, there's the one thief, and he's going, Oh, well, if you're the son of God, get us off of here. Come on, call the angels down. And the other one watched him. And he said, Jesus, when you go to your father's house, would you remember me? I love what he says. For today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, so here's what I, he's saying to you. I forgive you. For some of us, that's a hard thing. Why? Because we had to work for forgiveness for our parents, Right? Or we had a mean old aunt or a mean old uncle or somebody in our family who was just mean. How many of you had some of them mean ones? I used to hate it when my Aunt Mabel used to come and babysit us. She was just mean. She, you know, God's mad at it. If you're scared of lightning, that means God's mad at you. I mean, he must be real mad. <laughs> Just those little things that stick with you. And she was trying to be precious. I mean, I I forgave Aunt Mabel a long time ago. But see, here's the thing. He's saying, so if you receive the gospel, you're forgiven no matter how much you've sinned. See, we kind of try to have degrees of sin, don't we? What did Moses do and God used him? What did he do? He killed. He murdered. How about Mary Magdalene? She used to do tricks during the week. If you don't know what that is, talk to your children later. But anyway. 
I mean, it's, it's like you can go. And then, then he had people that were just regular people, just never did really did much bad. But I've, I've learned this. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. It doesn't matter the degree. It matters the heart because God, Jesus looks at the heart. You see, I believe that some of us have, have a hard time receiving forgiveness. Come on. So we live like we're not free from sin. I really don't believe God can forgive me, so you just live the way you want to, and you feel like God can't forgive you because you live under condemnation. The Bible says, you know, that God hasn't given us a spirit of condemnation. Anybody in Romans with me? But he's given us what? Come on, someone preach it to me. He said, you know what? There's no condemnation that is Christ Jesus. There's none. He said, I don't condemn you. Remember when he looked at Mary, Mary, when she was the, the adulteress that was caught? He goes, hey, your sins have been forgiven. Remember what he told her? He said, go sin no more. Does that mean that lady was perfect? No, it doesn't mean she was perfect, but it meant that she was forgiven. And God was going to perfect her throughout the rest of the course of her life. Amen? That she didn't have to live that lifestyle. That she could live justified, sanctified, and a glorified life. Almost like we owe something for our sin. Anybody like that? There's some, there's some religions that teach you you got to work your way. you got to light a candle. you got to do this. you got to do that. They're going to give you hoops and loops to go through. And you're going, huh, huh, and you don't know. But the Bible, you know, when you look at the gospel, religion says you have to live right to be forgiven as you, you, you got to earn it. But, but, but that is, that's the case. Christ didn't have to die. If, if that was the case, Christ didn't have to die. You just have to work. You receive his forgiveness and you learn how, how to live forgiven. That's what happens. And then what happens, you'll live a much better life if you accept his forgiveness. I know people that right now that are live under the cloud of just depression and condemnation. Why? Because they haven't fully received or recognized the power of the gospel. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. That's power. That's, that's, forgive, that's the power of forgiveness. No matter what I've walked through, no matter what I've gone through, no matter the thing, the most hideous, the most things, the most vile things, that God has forgiven me. Look at me. Some of you, let me just tell you this. If you've proclaimed Jesus and accepted him as the Lord and the Savior of your life, you're forgiven. I'm not God. I can't forgive sins, but I can proclaim if you trust him, he forgives you. Are you hearing me? I don't want you to go around me. Well, my pastor forgave me. I didn't need to go to Jesus. Don't even go there. The second thing is that the gospel, it makes us new. Wow, this is good news. The gospel doesn't make us better. It makes us new. 2 Corinthians says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. 
The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. Paul uses the word has become. You need to underline that. Has become. What does that mean? And these words are the past. It's a past tense that you used to be. Listen, if I was the way that I used to be, my wife would have never married me. That's the truth. That's the gospel truth. And some of you, you wouldn't like me either, and I probably wouldn't like you. But because what God did on the inside of me, can you hear me? I'm no longer that person that I used to be. It's Jesus living inside of me, me allowing him to do a work, just like all of us. There's no difference. It's just like, God, do what you got to do. No matter how painful it is, no matter what I got to go through, God, you do what you got to do. You see, he used that has become, and these words are the past. See, which, which in turn means that when you gave, when we gave ourselves to Jesus, in that moment, you became new. In that moment. I'd like to show you, I don't have any more. I used to have it. I used to driver's license before I got saved, and I got my motorcycle permit, and like two weeks after I got saved, and it was two different people. I said, yeah, that's me. I remember I'd smoked a joint before I went to my motorcycle test. Wow, isn't that great? And I remember I can look at my eyes and just even my senior picture. I can look at my senior picture my mom has hanging somewhere in her house. And I remember before that I smoked a big joint. So every time I look at that picture, I look at my eyes and go, that's the old Baba. That's the old Baba. I'm not that person anymore. I'm trying to take a big hit on Jesus and his presence. Come on. God, I just want to breathe. I don't have to go. <laughs> it's not about that anymore. Are you hearing me? I'm trying to get hit on him. How about you? Who are you letting hit on you? Let me just go back to preaching. He also states that the old life is gone, which means in the words of Godwin, the great duckologist, he gone. He's gone. The old person is gone. He's gone. Now, he tries to come up every once in a while. My wife has seen the old Bible try to resurrect itself a few times in our marriage in 30 years. Come on. But Bubba can't crucify Bubba because there's always a free hand with a hammer in it. You understand what I'm talking about? That's why I have to go, I have to, the Bible says die daily. God, forgive me. God, I can't believe I let that attitude get on me. I thought, God, I thought that, I thought I got rid of that. I thought you, you and you helped me with that. But this thing's coming out of me again. I said some words that I shouldn't have said. Or I, I responded to my child in a way that I shouldn't respond. And the Lord go, now go ask him for forgive you. Oh, Lord, I don't want to do that. How many, there's been times I have six children. I've had to go to each and every one of them a bunch of different times in their life and just ask them, go and go, hey, look, the way I, what I said, the way I responded, I I was angry and I took it out on you. Will you forgive me? And you know how kids are? Yeah, dad, I forgive you. Can you pray for me? Oh, God, just help daddy. Amen. That's usually the way it goes. But see, we, want, we think we're going to... See, that's, come on. You know what? I believe this. 
I believe when you come to God with a heart that's saying, God, change me, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? What if your child came to you and did that? Does your child have to come to you? Oh, daddy! Daddy, daddy, daddy! Will you forgive me? Go mow the yard, rake the leaves, pressure wash the house, then you can be forgiven. That's what religion says. Are you hearing me, South Louisiana? That's what religion says. The Bible says this, the righteous may fall, but I love what it says, but they rise again. God, the Bible says he's the glory and the lifter of our heads. And that means when you're like, ah, he's going, no, 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 look up, look up. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Look at me. Don't do it again. I'm going to help you. I'm going to empower you. You're going to find yourself in this situation again. But you don't need to go there anymore. Look to me. I'll help you. That's God. My, fr- my son, Luke, has a friend across the street. I'm fixing to talk to him because Luke, Lily, he was this week or last week. He was this week. He, he was talking to his mom. And he was just, he's coming to a point where all my children had to come to him. Some of yours have to. He realized he might not be able to play with his best neighborhood friend. You know what I mean? And, and you know, he told him some stuff. And the little neighborhood friend just started cursing. He said a few, you know, bombs, F-bombs, and all that. And my, my son went, oh, no, I can't. Because he got mad at me. And he came and said, Mom, I can't. But then, like, it'll last for like three or four days, and the little buddy comes back over. So I'm fixing to talk his little buddy and go, we don't live like that. That's the way it happens in your house. But in our house, let me tell you something. You're not going to act that way, and you're not going to drop some words like that. If you want to play with my son, are you hearing me? This is the way we're going to do it. Okay? And see, that's the way the gospel gives us parameters. It says, look, if you want to live righteous, look, in this book right here is the manual how to be a good parent. You don't have to go to a parent seminar. Look what it says in here. The Bible says if your child looks full, acts foolish, cast the fool out of him. What does that mean? You figure that out. How to be a good husband. Lay down your life like Christ laid down the, his life for the church. Husband, when's the last time you died for your wife? Got real silent in here. What do you mean? We have the buddies go, hey, man, the fish are biting it. Toledo, you want to come? And, and you already promised your wife you were going to do something. And you're going, oh, well, hold on. Oh, don't you let that wife of yours talk you into the, You know, come on. Come on. How many of you don't tell them? Come on. That's where you got to get back on the Hey, man, my wife don't tell me what to do. The Lord tells me what to do. Y'all go out there. All backsliders go fishing on Sunday. <laughs> and by the way, men, all the animals in my bathroom, not one of them was killed on a Sunday. <laughs> anyway, just side note. Y'all still love me? And he says this, your old life is, not, is nowhere to be found. I'm still... I'm still, sometimes I'm just hanging on to it. How about you? It's only because you want to. Let it go. Just let it go. Like Godwin said. It gone. 
You see, this implies that, that it's standing, it, you know, that, that it's, it's starting when you believe and you receive. Then you're intended. What, what happens when you start and you believe, the intention is to grow and to change. If you plant a tree, what do you want it to do? Grow and change. And see, don't get stuck on salvation, the starting point. Get moving, growing, and changing. You become brand new. See, most moms, you've been shopping for kids' school clothes, right? Okay? Guess what? You bought them new shoes. Guess what's happening to the old ones? By the end of summer, they're probably in the trash can. Your kids will forget about them. They want the new ones, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And see, what happens is, it's so, you know what? We throw them away and say, the same thing with God is get rid of the old. Enjoy the new life that God's given you. The last thing, it brings us into relationship. What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? 1 John 5, 20. I'm, coming, I'm bringing this to a close. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now, and we now live, uh, now I live, fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he's eternal. See, the witness of the spirit within my heart and in your heart will never contradict the words of the spirit that are in this Bible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And see, because of what Jesus did on the cross through the gospel, we've been given the right to have a relationship. What does that mean? John does, goes on to say, he says, and he, and he hears us when we ask what, that for what, he please, what pleases him. In other words, we're, we're talking about a real relationship, not some kind of mystical thing that, you know, I've heard people go, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I hate that saying, actually. God doesn't work in mysterious ways. God just works. And it might be contrary to the way you think he's going to work. Amen. There's no mystery about it. Just figure it out. Yeah, guess what? You'll never figure out anything in the, everything in this life. Amen? You just won't. But here's the incredible thing is, is that we're talking about a real relationship, not some kind of mystical thing where you sit down on your knees and you cross and you hum, and you're waiting for a feeling to come on you. Jesus, Jesus walks with us in this life, and he, will, he is always with us. Jesus said, hey, man, lo, I'm with you to the ends of the earth. I'm with you. What does that mean? That means he's with me. You know that he's with you right now. He said, one day I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the teacher, the instructor, the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you in all truth. He's going to send his Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to direct us. You see... I believe this change happens in that relationship. That's why our children spend the first 18 years of their life, most of them 18 years of their life with us, and why they're, they're close to us. Why? It's because it's all about a relationship. You've developed things. You know, I've had people go, man, your son, when he does that, when he laughs, he has, he has that look like your wife. Well, of course. He saw his mama from the time he was little, you know what I mean? And he saw that smile, that grin, or that, that, that certain thing. I used to have one, people say, you know, my son Matt, he walks just like you, Bubba. Well, he's watched me walk all his life. Why wouldn't he? You understand? It's like, and see, when you begin to walk with God in relationship, you become more like his son. Does that make sense? 
I've, I can just say this. I thank God for my wife. Because of relationship, there's things that I needed in her life to help me in my life. Does that make sense? When God created Adam, he took out half of Adam's personality. That's why the Bible says the two shall become one. Because whatever was there before was missing and it was found in Eve. And when they come together, they become one. Hello? Okay, can I just give you a fact? And I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say it. You know what? In order for you to reproduce anything, you got to get naked. Pastor Bubba. And when you do that, and we're not going to go into the whole thing. Well, that's a whole other talk for another series. Because we do the sex series. And we have, more, we have bigger crowds for the sex series than most any other <laughs> series we do. But when you get naked, you reproduce. Out of your relationship with you and your husband, your wife, you reproduce. Listen to me. Any healthy, listen to me, healthy and godly and God-intended relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Produces fruit after its own kind. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? I just believe this. You hang out with God long enough and a little bit of what he is begins to rub off on you. Like, I just, there's just something. Women can go to the doctor and sit there for two and three hours. How many of you I'm talking about? Look, I've gone to doctors for the last four years. I don't have that kind of patience. I tell my wife, she goes, she says, Baba, you're just impatient. Stop it. Quit being like that. Like, I'll go to the doctor and go, hey, I need to get it now. Can I just, can I confess my little thing? I mean, it just drives me crazy when I'm sitting there and, and you're going, what in the heck are they doing back there? I mean, if I was a doctor, bring them in. Yeah, looking good. Yeah, nice. Hey, God bless you. Yeah. I mean, what else are they doing back there? In my mind, I'm like, come on. Now yeah, you got a disease. We're going to get this. We're going to do this. Then that, that. Five o'clock, Tuesday, March 31st. God bless you. Have a great day. What are they doing? Let me just say, there's two enemies of the gospel. It's sin. It's a me first attitude and religion. So let's look at the gospel versus religion and what it's saying. Let me just give you some comparisons. Religion says that if you obey God, he will love us. The gospel says that it's because God has loved us through Jesus, we can obey. Religion says that the world is filled with good and bad people. The gospel says the world is filled with bad people who are either repentant or unrepentant. The the goal of the religion is is to get from God... Such things as health, wealth, insight, power, and control. The goal of the gospel is not not the gifts of God, God gives, but rather God as the gift given to us by his grace. He's the gift. Religion is about what we, we have to do. The gospel is about what I get to do. Are y'all with me? 
Religion says hardship in life is punishment from God. The gospel says hardships in life as sanctifying affliction reminds me of Jesus' suffering and used by God to love and to make us more like Jesus. Religion is about me and the gospel is about Jesus. Here's it in a nutshell. Jesus suffered and died on the cross and rose from the grave three days later. And that's, you know what? That's when you receive him and you're made new when you believe that and you trust that. And his intention is for us to change. Amen? And so the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk to, about you as an individual. We're going to talk about your finances, how that should be guided and led by the gospel. We're going to talk about community and what that looks like and what the gospel says about all of that. Amen? Yeah. And so before we do, I want Madeline to come back and the band to come back up. And I want you to stand to your feet. I'm just going to make this real simple and very plain. The Bible says this. If you deny me before the Father, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father who is in heaven. And I don't know where you're at, but some of you, you just need to change life. Some of you, you know, Pastor, I've tried to change. It's not about trying. It's about just changing. Don't go so far, Pastor Jackson. I'm going to need you. It's about changing. What does that mean? I love this about the gospel. Some of us say we got to get all fixed up before we come. It's about God takes you just as you are. Amen? There's an old song, Just As I Am, I Humbly Plead. Just as I am, I come. And see, here's the, here's the bottom line is, you come because God is doing a work in you. He's calling you. He's calling you. Can I tell you something? I remember the, the call of God on my life. I was three years old. God visited me when I was three years old in a room. And he just loved on me. And I saw these things. It was like a puzzle. And the Lord just spoke to me when I was a little kid. said, your life's going to be like a puzzle, but I'm going to put the pieces together for you. And I knew it was Jesus. And I'm doing, I mean... I was just reminded of that a couple weeks ago when I was three years old. Now, can I tell you something? I didn't respond when I was three. God allowed me to go through a lot of different things. Or put it this way, he allowed me to go my own way. That, I'll just, that sounds a lot better. He just didn't allow me to do those. I went my own way. How many of you have done your own thing? Gone your own way. And see, that's what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what the gospel's saying. It says you can't go your own way anymore. Kind of like Fleetwood Mac. You know, my own way. Remember that? Anyway, just. Okay? It's not about you going your own way. It's about you saying, God, I've gone my way. And it's a mess. This is the best I could do. And look what I got. And God's just saying like this. Just bring me you, your life. I'll take care of the mess. You just give me all of you. You see, how many of you want all of God? Anybody here? If you want all of God, you got to be willing to give all of you. If you put it in compartments and say, well, I'm going to give this, and then later I'll give this, you're not going to feel, you're not going to have what you long for. 
hunger, a longing for a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. That he, all he comes in your life with power and the grace that he gives you to be able to come, become what you want to become. I read a story, and I'm, I'm going to be done, I promise. I read a story about a young guy. He's a seventh generation pastor. Seven generations. They asked him, he said, what do, you, what do you think about being a preacher? He said, I never, he said, I, I knew when I got called when I was 11 years old and I told my daddy and he said, my daddy was my hero and my friend. And he said, he looked at me and he prayed over me and he wept with me. And he said, it's a privilege, son. And he said, I never looked at church as being a hassle or all that stuff. I never let ministry get to me. And he said, and he said, well, did you ever think you'd be a pastor? He goes, I was excited about being a pastor, uh, a youth pastor. And he said, but my dad contacted cancer. And he said, my dad, and when he told me, and he said, I just saw my dad walk through all of that. And my dad, he said, a year and a half before his daddy died, he looked at his son. He said, son, I want you to take over the church. He's like 20-something. Jews. He said, what did you think about that? He said, God had already called me. When his daddy died, the church was 5,000 people. That's a big church. He's 35 years old now, and the church is over 20,000 people. Because he wasn't, he said, my heroes were my dad, my two fathers. My daddy here on this earth, and my father who's in heaven. Then my dad told me, God will always be with you, son, no matter what you go. He'll be with you in life, and he'll be with you in death. And even after death, God will be with you. Listen to me. My greatest desire for every one of you is that, you know what? That today you got presented the gospel. It's what you do, what's been presented to you. All I can do is do my best. I hope I did my best. All you can do is your best is respond to the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here. And God's love is just saying, come on. Just come. He's like, he's like a mother hen just trying to bring, come on, just come. Let me just... Let me put my wings of protection and love over your life and cover you. I want to take you from death clothes to grace clothes. If you're here this morning, you go, Pastor, I I know I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to trust him. Like I've never trusted him before. I need to give my life to Jesus. Go ahead and sing, Holy Spirit. As they sing, if you just need to trust God, maybe you're at a place where you're just not... You're not 100%. You got bits and pieces, but today you go, today's the day I'm going to trust God. Maybe you're here today and you go, you know, I've, I've done a few things and played games and stuff, but Pastor Bubba, I've trusted God, but I'm not living like I've been forgiven. And I want that. I want that, that, that love relationship with God. Let's just sing that. And as, as we're singing, if that's you and you just need to respond, him out of obedience I just want you to come just come up here come on and we'll pray with you we'll pray for you